When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Histories of the Unexpected, the show in which we demonstrate that everything, simply everything you could possibly think of, has its own history, like rigour, significance and originality. (laughs) Do you know why I put those in, Sam? It's because uh, it, it has been on the... Those three words will have been on the minds of every single academic historian in the United Kingdom. Uh, for the last seven years, because it's how the REF, the Research Excellence Framework, is judging historical writing. Um, so you, we've had that imprinted on our brains. Or we could do dreams, streams and creams, breams, lovely fish, supremes and teams. We should do the history of teamwork, I think, Sam. But that is to digress as ever, because what we should be doing and what we will be doing is following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, who knew... That the history of red, that's the colour red, it does have a history. It's in fact all about romance and the history of emotions via Macbeth and blood. It's all about early cinema and technicolour, superstitions about red hair and red thread. It's also about the history of race, ethnography and Native American peoples. It's about favourite colours. It's about Judas Iscariot. And of course, it's about Robbie Burns' famous poem, A Red Red Rose. Did you know that, Sam? Mm, yes, I did. You did, because we did that very recently, <laughs> and I did a beautiful reading of that. I actually read that out for my wife on on Valentine's Day. I played it to her. I said, darling, I recorded this for you. Um, <laughs> very good. Yes. Or, who knew that the history of corpses, another recent favourite of mine, is in fact all about the eccentric Cornish landowner, Sir James Tilly, who lived between 1645 and 1713, who demanded, an extraordinary man, demanded that upon his death 
His body should be tied to a chair facing the River Tamar in a purpose-built mausoleum, a Pentilly castle, and also that he should be fed every day. It's also all about Viking corpse doors and mortuary practices related to doors. It's about superstitions to do with bleeding corpses. It's also all about 16th and 17th century burial practices. It's about exhumation, posthumous execution, and corpses on the move. And it's also about Thomas Hood's brilliant poem, The Deathbed. It's about body farms and swamp men. Hmm. Oh, it's also all about displaying corpses. I forgot to talk about that. I've just realised people putting corpses or bits of corpses on display. That's got a really interesting history, the different ways people have done it. Um, so much uh, wonderful history there in the history of corpses. Now, let me just tell you about my fellow presenter. If his- You've got to, got to follow this one, right? If history were a group of giggling teenagers, (laughs) crouching in the darkness, paper hats in place, plastic trumpets in pursed lips, legs quaking with the effort of remaining unseen, giggles suppressed by the weight of significance, this man would be the one to turn on the lights at this surprise party. He has no name for this role, but you all know who he is. The light turner honour at the surprise party, the one who reveals the immediacy of life as it is in both past and present. To the eruption of squeals of delight, party poppers and hugs. He is Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. He is James Daybell. You could hardly... Hello, cont- James. Hello, Sam. You could hardly contain yourself with that. Uh, I'm very excited. Big surprise. Big surprise. Well, you may well be wondering who is that unattributed voice so ably helping Daybell co-pilot this very episode. Well, let's just say that if he were a surprise-related historian, he'd be a veritable jack-in-a-box of the historical world, showing great originality in his historical thinking, demonstrably alarming in his mastery of the past, astonishing in the cogent of his lines of inquiry. But one thing that should not be a surprise is that he is the famous historical adventurer, Dr Sam Willis. <laughs> I, it, was shorter than, it was shorter than yours, but I was actually quite pleased with it. I thought it was pregnant with surprise. <laughs> That's very good. I was surprised by the quality of your words. But actually, I'm never surprised by the quality of well, words. No, I'm surprised that um, the words... I'm always surprised by words I've never heard before. Um, <laughs> guys, we're doing the history of surprise. Um, if you haven't worked it out yet, um, it's a wonderful, wonderful topic. A little gem of histories of the unexpected, as all they they all are, of course. Uh, James, um, this was my idea, yes? It was, and I, I was thinking. I, I had all, My mind has always wandered off in all sorts of surprising directions. And Mm. I was just thinking, Sam, you're a man who travels. You're a historian who travels. And I was actually thinking, what what is one of the most surprising historical things you've come across? I know we don't normally do that kind of stuff, but it did it did it did strike me that you've you've visited quite a few historic places, read quite a few Um, historic books. What what is most what's the thing that you found most surprising? Ooh, it's a really, really, really good question. I think the answer is in the desert about four hours north of Beijing. There is a Neolithic city which has been discovered surprisingly recently, right? And it's huge. It's not, I mean, it's not like a kind of a Roman fort. It, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's not quite the size of Exeter, but it's pretty, pretty big. Um, and uh, I absolutely love that. And they were just excavating it, and everything they were finding there was was surprising. But the most surprising thing uh, were these most these beautiful slivers of of jade. 
Um, so they're about the size of an iPhone, the ones I've seen. And uh, uh, this stunning green when you hold them up to, to the sun. And they are being pulled out of the walls of this city. So huge ramparts and embankments reinforced with timber, which have been brought from forests miles away and um, floated down a nearby river. And they had embedded these slivers of jade in the walls uh, for no reason we know, but presumably for some kind of um, ritual or or some kind of significance to do with strength um, and the ability of the walls to protect those within. Um, And I loved it. There was so much surprising about it. Um, not least the fact it's one of these wonderful archaeological sites where you, you're driving along and and all of the signs of humanity just sort of disappear. The buildings go, the uh, you know the road gets worse, the the grass disappears, the uh, the the trees, the bushes, the vegetation, and it just turns to desert. And you think, oh god, no one possibly could live here. Why would anyone want to live here? And then the further into it you get, the you suddenly start realizing that there are actually signs of human occupation around. And then, and then not only that, but you're surprised by the the immense scale of the human occupation that you discover. And then you've got these uh, fairly uh, innocuous and not very impressive ramparts and archaeological remains but but once you start excavating then you are surprised by the 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 real beauty of the artifacts that are still there and they have been untouched um for thousands and thousands of years um i couldn't for the life of you tell you what the name of this place is because i've forgotten i will just look it up and come back to you though james with the place of this wonderful neolithic city in the desert north of beijing oh Amazing, Sam. That, that does seem seem surprising. I mean, when I was I was thinking about this, and I was doing a little bit of research about surprising things, and I came across an article in the Guardian about the Orkney dig of the Ness of Brodgar, uh, which is this amazing archaeological site, this treasure trove of Neolithic villages and tombs and mysterious religious artefacts and and the reason they're writing about this is because some of them are going to be on show in a British Museum blockbuster exhibition uh, called The World of Stonehenge which looks extraordinary hats off to the British Museum once again for a just a stunning what looks like a stunning exhibition um, but the thing that struck me about this sort of Orkney site is that I found so surprising. And just get this. This is like you have a lifetime's worth of work. So they've they've basically discovered this huge site. And after nearly 20 years of digging it, they have only excavated 10% of the area so the surface area and only five percent of its depth so of its volume so it goes down incredibly you know deeply there are ruins there you know i mean it's it's a place that was in use for a thousand years it's you know and i think every summer they go along there and you know pull back the the sheeting and 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 get going and one of the um archaeologist said you just um you just uh down you go and you're amongst the ghosts of the past um 
for for and then another said for for neolithic stone architecture or orkney blows everywhere else else out of the water and then the, the article sort of touched on some of some other sort of you know amazing archaeological sites and then it i chanced on something that is probably one of the most strange things most surprising things i've ever seen okay i want you all to go and google the schifferstad gold hat so schifferstad is spelt s c h i f f e r s t a d t imagine um imagine gandalf's hat uh the wizard gandalf in the lord of the rings films but it's gold and it dates from circa 1600 bc this is a <laughs> amazing uh hat that looks like a sort of ceremonial hat discovered in the town of Schifferstadt in southwest Germany in the early 19th century. I think it's 1835 it was discovered. It's now on, on display in the historical museum of the Palatinate in Speyer. Um, and it and it's just it's just absolutely extraordinary. Not only in in its its shape and aesthetic, but also in terms of the the metalwork of it uh, but this struck me have you have you had a chance to google this sam well not only that james i've seen that it's not the only one there, there are, are four of them aren't that yes yeah and i've seen i've seen the berlin one the one oh. in the, the newest museum in berlin and i i was as surprised as i've ever been by an archaeological artifact walking around you know you expect these things to be like small brooches or little bits of stuff but like you say it's it's unbelievable um yeah i mean it's a it's a huge pointy hat made out of gold yes of extreme significance i imagine uh, but of we need clever cle- yeah, clever, clever archaeologists need to come along and tell <laughs> us all about it uh, I imagine I imagine there's stuff about industry and extraction of ore and its meaning and metalwork and, you know, all of that, that from one sort of small hat like that, you can unpack an entire civilization, Sam Willis. That would be surprising. Yeah, I mean, one of the, 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 the things they're trying to work out with the Berlin one, I'm really I'm talking off the top of my head here, but the decoration is unbelievable. And um, they think it's a code. They think it's, ooh, um, ooh, uh, as with many of these things, uh, it's, well, possibly a calendar, some kind of lunar calendar. But it is um, it is decorated in the most extraordinary number of um, punched uh, symbols uh, and kind of squiggles and stuff. And um, rather than people thinking it was just nice decoration, someone went, oh, my God, uh, I have surprised myself here. Uh, this is actually this me this this means something um but we, we haven't quite worked it all out yet and where are you going to go where are uh, you going to go with your surprise well, oh, me next, surprise it? me it is you next surprise um, me ooh. i've got a couple okay. of surprises up my sleeve i was thinking surprise parties i was thinking surprise presents but i'm not going to go down that line going mm, okay. i'm going to keep it as a surprise for you sam the reason I thought about doing surprise was what's going on in Ukraine at the minute. Ah. Um, and I heard, uh, so for those of you who don't know, but I can't be amazed if any of you don't know, uh, the Russians have surrounded Ukraine with um, 150,000 troops. 
and I was listening to a defence analyst talking on the World Service saying one of the interesting things about what's happening here is in the, in the last, say, 10 years, whenever Putin's wanted to achieve something militarily, he's done it exceptionally quickly and used surprise. So, what you know, he, he, if he needs to achieve something, off he goes, in he goes. Um, so something like the Crimea is a good example. Um, but this is very different. And so he's doing it as slowly as humanly possible to um, bring the, the whole world to make the whole world aware of what he's doing it's um it's a a strategic move rather than a militarily tactical one and because of this he said that actually um he sees it as being a, a very unlikely indeed that it would lead to a specific uh military event which made a lot of sense to me actually um and i've also really um been very interested in the way that the military build-up has been reported and especially the way that the Americans have been highlighting potential false flag operations by the Russians using their military intelligence to say look this is happening so uh, the false flag operation being where the Russians sneak people into Ukraine and then attack their own forces but blame the Ukrainians thereby creating a pretext for invasion and the Americans have rather pulled the rug out from under the Russians feet if, if, this is if you believe the American press saying um, the Russians are planning to do these false flag operations so the point is here that there, there, there are two very key issues of surprise around these military events one is the use of tactical surprise and the other is the use of intelligence to prevent being taken by surprise. So I had a little think about this because the, the tension between America and Russia is very interesting indeed. And of course, it doesn't take you uh, uh, long to to find other examples of tension going back to the Cold War and also going back to, to, to military failure where um, the Americans in particular were taken completely by surprise, one way or another. And I think you need to see the the uh, emphasis on understanding what's going on in the ground now and what's going on, or trying to understand what's going on in the minds of the, the high Russian commanders being, I mean, certainly, it's not just enough to say that they know that military intelligence is important. They know it because they've learned the lessons from the past and there are so many of them where it's been demonstrated to be completely chaotic. The Bay of Pigs invasion um a, a clear example i mean i should say more broadly you could do the history a broader history of of um military intelligence or, or any kind of intelligence failures whether it's 9-11 or it's pearl harbor whatever it might be but in terms of the relationship between um uh russia and america the bay of pigs very interesting uh nine uh one actually you know it's probably more broadly that um let me say the relationship between america and um uh forces whether they're Russian or, or, or Cuban or uh, uh, Vietnamese, they're all, you know, all, all examples of people fighting for and on behalf of communism. Uh, Bay of Pigs, 1961. So it's a CIA-planned effort. Uh, and what they're trying to do is, is to get some Cuban exiles to overthrow Fidel Castro's regime because the Americans are terrified of having someone um, who thought like Castro so close to the American mainland. And what they wanted to do was replace it with a non-communist well, a, a, an American-friendly government, and it all goes wrong um, when you have uh, an aerial attack on Cuba's air force 
doesn't work at all and there's a there's an assault brigade of, of 1400 men which comes under heavy fire from the cuban uh, cuban military uh, it's a complete disaster and um it it's a ultimately a, it's a failed invasion of a foreign country and it and it ruins us cuban relations for for some time and it is all born through a military um or intelligence failure they're just unaware of the 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 scale of um, of defence that they're going to meet. Um, other really interesting examples: the, the collapse of the Soviet Union is one which 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 they didn't see coming. Um, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan is another one um, where actually they, they 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 saw that the Soviets were were planning on invading Afghanistan, but but the U.S. intelligence community um, believed that. It was so clearly going to be a costly a disaster, a lengthy kind of being stuck in a, in a military quagmire that they would never do it. But then they did, um, taking everyone by surprise. It actually led to a dark joke circling around the CIA agency at the time that actually the analysts got it right and it was the Soviets who got it wrong. And um, and uh, perhaps the way that... that uh, occupation of Afghanistan played out uh, they were right so any other examples um you've got the Tet offensive in 1961 in Vietnam with the Americans um I get through through the failure of military intelligence are, are completely taken by surprise uh, but the collapse of the Soviet Union itself is a really really interesting one where um, you've got Gorbachev's making his reforms you've got a de- deteriorating Soviet economy um, there's a collapse of commun- communism in 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 Europe and also the move towards independence of several uh, Soviet republics, which is why this all relates so much to to the Ukraine. Um, but no one really spotted just how far this was going to go. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that, James, about the, um, the, the need for, for intelligence so that you're not taken by surprise in situations like we currently have in Russia and the Ukraine. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know, I was going, thinking in a very similar uh, vein. Uh, and I was thinking, surprise, surprise, surprise. Surprise attacks, ambushes was where I was going, which is very similar to what you're talking about. I mean, the, the the idea of the sort of the Blitzkrieg war, which was sort of very famously uh, used in the 19th century by Bismarck to unify Germany through you know, lightning war, I think that, you know, is, is, is part of that. But actually sort of ambushing people, the history of ambushes or the history of surprise attacks. And we can, yeah, you can think about this in modern day when you think about 9-11 and the surprise attacks on the World Trade Towers and the Pentagon and the attempted hit on the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. I mean, this is something that I, I've spoken about in the past because I was in Washington, D.C. working at the Fulton Shakespeare Library when that happened. So, you know, almost living through... Well, actually, not almost, actually living through a very sort of important historical event. But if you think about other kinds of examples, I think one of the most famous sort of prehistory examples or sort of ancient history examples is the Trojan horse. Um, in oh, in, good, yeah. in Greek Greek mythology, and we have then Sam the the Trojan horse outside the the gates of Troy, full of Greek soldiers. It gets wheeled in. Uh, they all go to sleep, and then you know, as Virgil tells us, in the middle of the night, they open the hatches and they drop out, and you know, absolutely slaughter. Uh, the city, and this is this is uh, this is the way that this is rendered by Virgil uh, in the Aeneid, uh, and this is Book Two, uh, lines two five four to two nine seven. If you're if you're interested, and I'll just read you a little bit of it. And now the Greek phalanx of battleships, red ships sailed from Tenedos in the benign stillness of the silent moon seeking the known shore when the royal galley raised a torch and Sinon protected by the gods unjust doom sets free the Greeks imprisoned by planks of pine in the horse's belly opened its releases them to the air and sliding down a lowered rope and then we've got these people sort of coming down the leaders and fatal Ulysses emerge joyfully from their wooden cave blah 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 uh, they invade the city that's drowned in sleep and wine kill the watchmen welcome their comrades at the open gates and link their clandestine ranks it was the hour when first sleep begins for weary mortals and steals over them as the sweetest gift of the gods. See in dream before my eyes Hector seemed to stand there, saddest of all, and pouring out great tears, torn by the chariot as once he was, black with bloody dust, and his swollen feet 
pierced by the thongs. Oh, how he looked, how changed he was from that Hector who returned wearing Achilles' armour, or who set Trojan flames to the Greek ships. His beard was ragged, his hair matted with blood, bearing those many wounds he received, dragged around the walls of his city, and I seemed to weep myself, calling out to him and speaking to him in words of sorrow. O light of the Troad, surest hope of the Trojans, what has so delayed you? What shore do you come from, Hector the long-awaited? Weary from the many troubles of our people and our city, I see you, oh, after the death of so many of your kin. What shameful events have marred that clear face, and why do I see these wounds? He does not reply, nor does he wait on my idle questions, but dragging heavy sighs from the depths of his heart, he says, Ah, son of the goddess, fly, tear yourself from the flames. The enemy has taken the walls. Troy falls from her high place. Enough has been given to Priam and your country. If Pergama could be saved by any hand, it would have been saved by this. Troy entrusts her sacred relics and household gods to you. Take them as friends of your fate. Seek mighty walls for them, those you will found at last, when you have wandered the seas. So he speaks and brings the sacred headbands in his hands from the innermost shrine, potent Vesta, and the undying flame. So it's extraordinary wonderful poetry there, Sam. So we've got then the this idea of surprise attacks and we can see that in various places you talked about about some of them yourself you took i mean in particular the japanese attack on pearl harbor in 1941 the six-day war in 1967 when israeli planes you know do a surprise attack um at, at the of the at rest egyptian air force or the battle of france in 1940 for example or the battle of trenton in 1776 or i'm hearing you say what about ad 410 and the sack of rome <laughs> by the visigoths um you know where alaric the first and the visigoths you know storm unexpectedly by surprise through the gates of rome and you know, and sack it so there we are. There's a there's a, there's a surprise for you. We could also think about yeah. surprise elections, uh, surprise Ooh, election snap elections, results. snap elections, <laughs> and you think about Donald Trump. Now that was a surprise election win. Um, yeah, and a whole interesting history of surprises there. I also wanted to do the history of booing out. You ever heard? Do you ever boo out on people? I didn't no, call that mean? I didn't call it booing out when I was young but it was something that my it was a phrase that my wife uses and it's literally when you um somebody is wandering along unexpectedly completely innocently and then somebody boos out on them in other words they spring out from behind a corner and go boo and surprise <laughs> them and this happened to me last summer I was supposed to be meeting my wife and daughters at a local coffee shop and I was in the middle of work it was the summer holidays and I was taking a break I was wandering along you know not wanting to really leave work I was wandering along uh, answering email on my phone a million miles away little did I know that they had decided they were going to ambush me halfway to the <laughs> coffee shop and jumped out from up a garden path they'd been hiding behind a fence I almost dropped my phone 
I I must admit <laughs> I was I was genuinely shocked. I was genuinely shocked and my the language that came forth from my mouth was genuinely <laughs> shocking. <laughs> it was a big surprise. Yes. But I, I but I wondered how one would excavate the the history of booing out. Mm, I don't know. Um, so, I mean, uh, just a chance chance discoveries in diaries, perhaps, James. I shouldn't think people do it systematically. I don't know. Oral histories. Um, yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Um, I thought a bit about um, you know pr- preventing these kind of surprise attacks. The history of air raid sirens is actually very interesting and how they were vented and invented and when they first used... Um, it was 1939 is the answer to that. And actually in the First World War, when you had these kind of proto-early uh, attacks from the sky, the, the only warning you'd get were from policemen on bikes blowing their whistles. But um, I just wanted to end, James, by uh, giving you a couple of great examples of... Um, uh, renaissance fun shall we call it Mm. um and this is you'd love this so this is people building fountains in their gardens that spray people Um, and there was a kind kind of whole inter it's very renaissance i was like this is this is brilliant you were the wonderful idea of you mean unknowingly spray people yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you've oh. got a load of people kind of poncing around on the Grand Tour or whatever it might be. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, in, their, in their fancy clothes and <laughs> getting completely soaked. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and a number of different types of this. Um, a fountain, like a water joke, it was called. Mm. Um, known as the Giocco d'acqua. And this was it's a, a, any kind of jet concealed in a pavement or a seat, often, Lee, which squirts upwards without warning. Um, or you have a jet hidden in the statue. So you've got people standing around looking at a statue, kind of admiring it, and then it would spray them. Uh, and there are a number of examples in the wonderful <laughs> Italian villas of the 16th century, and also in gardens elsewhere in Europe. And um, I suppose this is how you come to your history of booing out, James, because it's kind of a similar sort of thing. So there are lots and lots of descriptions of people who are there to write a diary it's what they're doing they're traveling around europe to write a diary and then this happens Hmm. um so here we've got a tour of italy 1581 um and his secretary describes what happened in the garden so he got the party encountered a very humorous experience for as they were walking about therein and marking its curiosities the gardener for a certain purpose withdrew and while they stood gazing at some marble statues there sprang up and under their feet and between their legs an infinite number of tiny jets of water so that they resembled exactly drops of rain and with this they were sprinkled all over <laughs> fantastic <laughs> and this gardener who was doing it was a uh, 200 200 feet away, it said, and he had a special little tap. Um, there were even some uh, jets in the ground, and what they did is they they trap you. So basically, they allow you to get to a certain area, and then they turn the fountains on, and you're completely surrounded by huge high jets of water. I thought this was tremendous. There's a, a description of one in the in, in the 1570s at the Villa d'Este in Tivoli. In the secret garden, there was a pavilion with fountains in the corners that threw up spray to form large, flat mirrors. When people stopped in the centre of the pavilion to admire their reflections, jets rose from the floor to a height of three or four feet in an interlaced pattern to make very ingenious and beautiful compartment, which I thought was lovely. So um, there are... uh, 
it's got a fascinating history. Some of them very simply engineered, others very complex, others very powerful, and um, you know, really kind of like pushing the boundaries of what a joke is with people getting knocked off their feet. But there is an entire history to a surprising water comedy in the Italian Renaissance. Who knew? I love that. I love that. It <laughs> reminds me reminds me of holidays down in St Ives and the arcade there used to have this shooting gallery. And the shooting gallery was you'd have these rifles, you'd pay 20p, you'd have these rifles and then you'd shoot different things so a skunk would like would sort of suddenly squirt water at you. Or um, there was a bit of the arcade that actually opened out onto the seafront and you'd have unsuspecting passers-by who would suddenly find a large um, plastic man um, or dummy sort of moving towards them with a gun and squirt them with water. They're very funny. Hilarious. <laughs> so the history of that... I Finally, I, I'm not going to do this in full, but I one of the things I was finally thinking about was... In terms of surprises, the Jack in a Box and the history of the Jack in a Box, oh, sweet. No, and sure and there, there's a wonderful history here, and you can follow it back. Do you know you can follow it back to that 14th century saint, a 14th century English prelate uh, called Sir John Sean. We talked about him in our in our show. Uh, he's the one who um, who catches the devil in a shoe, um, oh, yes. and that that actually is the is one of the sort of founding ideas for the jack-in-a-box. Uh, a a diable en boîte, which literally means devil in a box. And then it, and then we find it sort of, you know, cropping up in Fox's, John Fox's uh, Axon Monuments, his Book of Martyrs, to, used to describe a swindler. So it's an insult. The first ones are that are recorded and made probably in the early 1500s in Germany. Um, and then we see them developing in the 19th century. So there are Victorian examples. They become very commercialised in the 1930s. But they are these wind-up... Effectively, they are these wind-up toys uh, that develop where you wind them up, they play a tune. When the tune stops, uh, it's spring, the, the jack-in-a-box springs up. It reminds me, Sam, of that wonderful scene by Will Ferrell in the film Elf, a Christmas must for everyone, where he's in the workshop and it's become very clear that a six-foot-five man is not an elf. Uh, he's no good at anything. So he gets left with the task of uh, testing the jack-in-the-boxes and just seeing his face every time he he turns the crank to make the music go and then the jack-in-the-box <laughs> springs up. It shocks him every single time. But there is a really interesting material history of this. And if you just go on, on Google or any other uh, search engine and just type type in jack-in-a-box you will find all sorts of different varieties one of our favorite places on this show is the history of childhood of the victorian albert museum um which is in the east end of london this is an incredible uh, there's an incredible sort of selection here uh well the what, couple that i was looking at there's one from the 1820s, uh, which, if you Google it, is a, a sort of bizarre... It looks like a wooden box with paper over it, and then the hand of the 
the, the jack-in-the-box is seems to be taped or tacked to the lid as it as it comes out there are wonderful examples of these and i think it's a really good way of actually not just understanding surprise but also understanding a history of of toys uh, and adventure uh, uh, with surprise all rolled in there's a wonderful one here uh, that i've got which is uh, dating from 1945 to 1950 which is highly uh, colorful and and it's tin um with clowns uh, all over it uh and apparently it's got a, a child's name uh scratched onto it so not only do we know the product itself but we also know that it was owned by somebody called brian at one point so there we are sam uh, jack in a boxes Wonderful stuff. Um, there is so much material for the history of surprise. Again, it's a it's a gem. I found a wonderful account of uh, people trying out the siren foghorn on ships in the 1840s. But I'm going to save that, and I might I might talk about that um, another time, or possibly on the Mariner's Mirror podcast. Who knows? Uh, guys, that was our history of surprise. Do please keep in touch. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Dr Sam Willis. And if you are interested in maritime history, the history of the sea. Do please check out the Mariner's Mirror podcast. It is fantastic. And should you wish to follow me on social media, I am on Twitter at James Daybell. Uh, we, as a podcast, are on Twitter at Unexpected Pod. We are also on Instagram and Facebook, so come and make friends with us there. You can also check out our all-singing, all-dancing website, historiesoftheunexpected.com, where you can see our entire back catalogue. And you can also, lucky people, get signed copies of our books sent to your very door. Incredible what they can do nowadays with postal systems. Systems. Um, should you wish to support what we are doing to try and change the way in which people think about the past, you could indeed become a patron of Histories of the Unexpected. If you wish to be a patron, you should head over to patreon.com and check out our page there, Histories of the Unexpected. Anything that you can do to support what we're doing with the show would be very much appreciated indeed. But meanwhile, the storms are still howling outside our windows based here in the southwest of England. Uh, I hope you're all keeping well and stay safe and we'll see you really soon. Okay, take care. Bye. Cheerio, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.